1: It is crossover episode time on Candlestick Chronicles slash striking gold. It is a Blue Wire Pod 49ers Super Bowl preview bonanza uh, with our guy Rob Lauder from the Striking Gold podcast right here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And really, just this this whole trio three of the four com OGs. And that's the Biederman what I re- that's blogging what I really tree. Appreciate.
2: The yes. Biederman blogging tree.
1: We should what's Jared doing with his life? We should have invited our guy Jared.
2: I know we'd have, we'd have some really s- skinny cameras, but I mean I it wouldn't. That's be worth fine. It. We'd go quad box
1: for it. <laughs> We're going
2: quad box. <laughs> um, Shout
3: out to yeah. Jared. He might be, he's either like coaching football or Pouring beers at Coop, or just ch- just doing no. good things
2: in the world. Being a he's father, way better than yeah, doing, doing great <laughs> things in the world. Whatever he's doing, it's good. It's it has to be good. <laughs> what yeah. a
1: fine human! I'm so glad I know <laughs> him. Uh, just shout out NinersWire. Cam. All right, so uh, we're gonna talk about the Super Bowl. FYI, San Francisco and Kansas City play on Sunday. In case you missed it, um, I I. I as the week's gone on, and, and I know, Chris, you and I talked about this a, a little bit last night, uh, but I want to start with with Rob, because I've gotten a little bit more optimistic about the 49ers' chances of, as the week has gone on. But, Rob, where do you land uh, with the 49ers' chances in, in the Super Bowl to knock off Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs?
2: I was just telling Chris before we recorded, which... You never want to do, you never want to talk about what you're going to talk about before you record, but save for the, um, <laughs> save for the pod. Uh, the, I reg- I got on with KP last night of, of Niners nation and he almost bestowed upon me the first ounce of positivity that I've had about this matchup in the two weeks. It's been hmm. solidified and it really just stems from how the 49ers played in the playoffs. And yes, they won, And you know, that you sort of have to start there, but it was, Especially against the Lions, it was really jarring to watch that first half. Like that was one of the worst defensive performance performances I've ever seen, like ever. And it's third and twelve, and they're running the ball and they're getting it. You know, it's stuff like like stuff I I don't even know if I'd ever seen before. And Mm -hmm. so that really got me to the point. You're like, all right, last uh, game winning drive against the Packers, they got it done. Historically good second half against the Lions, got it done. Do the Chiefs and the way they're built give the 49ers the opportunity to do something like that? And it doesn't seem that way. But one of the things that KP talked about is like everything the 49ers want to do and do well would would work should work against the Chiefs. They're one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, the last time they played a team that's somewhat built like the 49ers, which was the Packers, they lost and they lost fairly. Convincingly, it wasn't particularly close. So I think I'm in the same boat in the fact that, especially after talking to KP, it's I think the 49. I'm, I'm probably wasn't giving the 49ers their due in terms of maybe focusing more on the two playoff games than I should have, and less on what they built, the reputation they built throughout the season. You know, I guess that's sure. the best way to way to put it. So I, I think I'm in the same boat as you in the fact that my confidence in the team is steadily growing. I think Super Bowl week has has a way of
3: kind of putting everybody off the scent, right? There's such a level a high level of groupthink and reactions to, you know, the 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 latest thing, the latest development, which obviously was Kansas City going to Baltimore beating the Ravens, the Niners looking terrible for a half and then coming back uh to beat the Lions and we sort of forget Sometimes the bigger picture, right? And mm-hmm. and how often do we see in Super Bowls that you know the consensus favorite going into the game? And I know the betting favorite, the Niners are the betting favorite, um, but it doesn't feel like they are the consensus favorite in terms of the way people are talking about this game. It feels like everyone's on Kansas City. Yeah. But how often do we see the consensus favorite just not win the game? Right? It's it, the Super Bowl is tricky like that, and and I do think you know, there, there are going to be a lot of human nature factors at play, right? Like the Chiefs are trying to repeat as champions, which we haven't seen since, you know, basically for 20 years when the Patriots did it twice. Um, and the Patriot or the, the the Chiefs obviously won last year. This is our fourth Super Bowl in five years. The Niners are a much more desperate team, at least you, you would think, right? And, and mm-hmm. the Niners are a team where you don't exactly know how long this window is going to stay open because you don't know if they're going to be able to retain a lot of the talent they have on this roster long-term because Brock Purdy is going to have to get paid at some point starting after next season. (laughs) We'll see after (laughs) Sunday. But this is just a team that's dealt with so much heartbreak, right? Like the Niners went to the Super Bowl in 2019 had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, lost it. They had a lead in the NFC Championship game two years later against the Rams and lost it. Um, They they went to the NFC Championship game in Philadelphia, thought they were going to win that game, and then Brock Purdy goes out in the first quarter with with a torn elbow ligament. They lose that Mm -hmm. game, right? Like this is a team that has dealt with defeat so much more often. Like basically every year that they've contended then than the Chiefs have. And the Chiefs are they still feel like they're right in the middle of their dynasty. But I think one of the reasons why it's so hard to repeat is just the human nature element of man, we were here last year and we don't have the same level of desperation that that our opponent has. And I think there's gonna be an element to that game. I also think to Rob's point, you know, there are a lot of matchup things that you can point to. And you could point to, you know, I mentioned it earlier in the week, but the idea of recency bias and small sample sizes versus bigger sample sizes. And I had mentioned, you know, the sample sizes of the playoffs and, you know, what we saw from the 49ers against the Packers and Lions were basically lackluster efforts in comparison. Um, We also have a small sample of the Chiefs being being a better team in the playoffs than they were in the regular season. And so it's sort of conflicting. We have conflicting evidence based on what we've seen in the regular season and in the playoffs for both teams. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just, you know, maybe, maybe I'm, you know, coming at this from a 49ers observer, but you know, that like the criticism of the Niners, at least that we had was, Oh, they can't win games in which they have to come back from. Like mm-hmm. they they either blow teams out or lose close games, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when they when they win some close games, now all of a sudden we feel worse about them, right? Like I you right. know like I, I think I, I think maybe you know the, this team is so talented and the foundation's been there for so long and they're so battle tested in addition to all the talent that they have, like top to bottom, the Niners mm-hmm. have a better roster than the Chiefs. I don't think anyone would argue that. Um Patrick Mahomes obviously gives the Chiefs a leg up at quarterback but I think otherwise um you you go just position by position and and most of them the vast majority of them you would say the Niners have more talent. Um
0: yeah.
3: which I think is ultimately going to be the deciding factor and to me like I don't think this is going to be as lopsided as the Bucks uh Chiefs Super Bowl but you remember going into that game everybody's on the Chiefs right? The uh, Chiefs are trying to not repeat. Me. <sighs> Well, yeah, kind of I wasn't either, but, <laughs> Go, but like, I, I wasn't either, saying. but, it, Being funny. Go ahead. but it, it just felt like everyone, like the chiefs are, you know, chiefs are, they won it last year. There's no reason to believe they won't win it this year, et cetera, et cetera. And the, and the bucks kind of handed them their lunch and you realize like, oh yeah, that was a pretty flawed chiefs team. Especially without um, their chiefs two starting has,
1: offensive tackles.
3: Yes. And that was obviously the biggest issue, mm-hmm. but I think the flaw in the chiefs this year is, is that receiver. Like they don't, you know, they they have Travis Kelsey, but like really what else? And then you look on the other side, the 49ers have all of their guys in their right. prime. Mm-hmm. Brandon Ayuk, one of the best receivers in the league. George Kittle, the best tight end in the league against man coverage. Christian McCaffrey, probably gonna win offensive player of the year. Maybe when people listen to this on Friday, he will have been named Offensive Player of the Year uh Thursday night at NFL honors, right? Like I just think and and the fact that to Rob's point the chiefs defense wasn't that great against the run i think that's just a really tough formula to try to beat the 49ers if the niners can run the ball on you they just don't really lose because it sets up everything else they like to do so that's kind of what where i'm leaning like i understand i fully understand the idea that you never bet against patrick mahomes
0: mm-hmm. but
3: at some point like is he going to be is his record going to be like perfect against the spread forever Right. Like, doesn't right. just the law of averages say like, no, nah, he, he might be in line to lose one of these games eventually. So what, what is I, he, what I is he? 10
1: and two is a dog all time. 10 and two straight up as an underdog. I think he is.
3: I had it pulled That's up. Crazy. Let me see if I can go find it. That's in 12 cool. career games as an un- in 12 career games as an underdog, he's 10, one and one against the spread and nine and three straight up. So I don't know, like if you believe in if you believe in the idea that like these numbers can normalize a little bit, which I tend to. And again, maybe this is just like Niners optimism on my part. I think sure. that I think that the Niners are probably not getting talked about in the way they should. And maybe because, you know, in my opinion, I think people are reading too much into the fact that like, yeah, they had a bad half against the Lions, but like mm-hmm. they still won the game. And I don't, I don't think I don't view them drastically differently because of that
1: yeah i think there's a lot of people that saw the nfc championship game and realistically that was probably the first full 49ers game a lot of people would watch this year and frankly i'm guessing a large swath of the country doesn't think the 49ers should even be in the super bowl they're looking at the ball that bounced off kendall vildor's face mask they're looking at a drop on fourth and three they're looking at dan campbell not taking the points on the other fourth and three that would have tied the game it it, they're they're looking at a, a fumble and, and I think that's where a lot of the kind of dismissal of the 49ers is coming in. And so much of the analysis, and frankly, I'm guilty of this, is like, well, the Chiefs just have Patrick Mahomes. And that ultimately is is the deciding factor in, in every, every Chiefs thing over the last, Six, Which isn't long. years it's no no not at it's all it's not the long. only reason dude if Patrick Mahomes if Patrick Mahomes is 25% worse the 49ers would be favored by fucking 50 like that that's but it's yep. Patrick Mahomes and I think that's where a lot of people anchor and I think that makes sense but Chris to, to your point this so the 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 Chiefs roster top to bottom you have Travis Kelsey who had 93 catches this year uh, then it's rushy rice. Uh, uh, and this is the thing. Their number one wide receiver is a rookie in a super bowl. Like that's, that's a yeah. tough thing to lean on. Then you have Isaiah Pacheco uh, is third on the team in receptions with 44. And then Noah gray, the backup tight end is fourth on the team in catches. I, I, I as good as Patrick Mahomes is, I wonder how effective that group is at, at making the type of play that Tyreek Hill made in Super Bowl 54 where okay Patrick Mahomes might make the game-changing scramble and the game-changing throw but is Justin Watson instilling the kind of fear that Tyreek Hill did is Marcus Valdez Scantling and I, I just I think that that's where a lot of the the analysis gets missed is because to this point it hasn't really mattered the Chiefs have figured out how to win games over the last month but they were bad. Their offense was really, really bad for a lot of the year. So I I think you're right. I think so much of what happens is the playoffs get so condensed and that's where season long analysis of teams gets whittled down to, okay, what did they do last time I saw them? And I'm, I'm guilty of this too. And that's why I think is the more I think about it, the more I've, I've gained some optimism that the 49ers can overcome number 15.
3: And if we're judging, you know, the, the conference championship games critically, like you could make a pretty strong case that the Chiefs are pretty fortunate to come out of the come out of Baltimore with a win, right? Like the sure. Ravens just completely abandoned the run in the second half. They have two turnovers basically in the end zone or one at the goal line, another interception in the end zone in a game that Baltimore lost by seven.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And the Chiefs right,
2: so, didn't score a point the entire second the, half.
3: Right, exactly. So it's. It just um, I I think we we can get caught up in what happened recently with and lose the bigger picture and and look, maybe the 49ers lose like there's obviously there's a very reasonable chance that the Chiefs win and repeat. I just don't look at this Chiefs team the entire breadth of the season as impressive as their playoff run has been as a team that like, oh, yeah, this is probably a team that's going to win back to back Super Bowls like. And I know that's that's not great analysis, but it's just but- really, really hard to repeat. And I, and I don't see this Chiefs team, like, and, it, and if they do it, obviously they earn to be talked about that way. But it just doesn't seem like a team that transcends greatness to be like the first team in 20 years that's going to re- win back-to-back Super Bowls, particularly against this 49ers team, which, you know, D- DVOA and subjectively and you know the, the the way we talk about the roster like this is the best 49ers team we've seen since 1994 right just talent wise right like that would be a pretty big achievement for this chiefs team given what we saw from them during the regular season
2: i agree and one, just a question for for you guys when was the last time the 49ers played at just an elite destroying a team level was the eagles the last game mm,
3: yeah probably
2: you know, I think that's part of the reason that I that I have probably not given him quite as many flowers that they deserved. Is the last, you know, the last time that they truly dismantled a team was, I mean, they they beat the Cardinals pretty bad. I think they were in the 40s in that one, but how yeah, you know, many, how much credit 29. do you give for that? But it, it's like, when was the last time you saw the 49ers just completely dismantle a team? And I think that's what kind of everybody expected to see against the Packers, the first seed against the seventh seed, mm-hmm. and then it ended up coming down to the very last drive and. You know, Aaron Jones. Given a lot of it was from one play, but you don't just get to discount that. Ran wild on him, right. then the Lions yeah. ran wild on him, and you know, and and I think that there, to your point, Kyle, I think there is a little bit of, um, what's the word I'm looking for here you gotta you do have to acknowledge the stuff that the lions did to help the 49ers win that game you know they had some some decisions sure. that they could have made that would have really made that game different from the 49ers and that that final drive would have been to tie the game rather than to you know to take the lead or that that lion's mm-hmm. touchdown and excuse me that lion's touchdown in the end would have tied the game rather than put it within three and you know stuff like that so uh, i mean i i still think the 49ers are the team that has the biggest chance of of doing that though. If you were to, if you were to look at these two teams and say, which one do you think has the bigger, which team do you think has the better chance to just blow this game up? You would think it would be the 49ers just based on what they want to do. The chiefs are one of the worst rush defenses in the NFL. And I was telling KP was my, if I was Kyle Shanahan going into this game, I would, my entire, I don't know, my entire focus would be on, we are going to run the ball better and more than we ever have all season. And yep. we're not going to, and one thing that gives me a little bit of confidence that the 49ers might do that was you go and look at the third quarter against the lions where they were down by 17 points and they still ran the ball nine times and threw it 11 times. And then yep. they, they maintained the balance. Kyle Shanahan didn't panic. He kept doing what he's, I guess when you have Christian McCaffrey, it gives you that, you know, that benefit. But um, I think the 49ers, the thing that's kind of grown on me, is they have the, the biggest key, I guess you could say, the biggest opportunity to take advantage of any mismatch in the game. And that's just happens to revolve around a guy that, like Chris said, might win offensive player of the year. He has mm-hmm. a He's an MVP yeah. candidate, you know? So it's just to be a candidate as a running back is insane. So, you know, maybe that's where things should start and end is the fact that the 49ers, Chiefs have Christian McCaffrey, or excuse me, the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, but the 49ers have Christian McCaffrey, and he might be in a position to influence that game more than more than Patrick Mahomes does. I want to stick on the quarter. Like, okay, go ahead.
1: I want to stick on the, no, I was just going to say like, this is funny. (laughs) You talk, I'm not talking.
3: (laughs) And with Christian McCaffrey being a threat, like when the, the thing that I think makes a 49 ers so dangerous is they can use Christian McCaffrey's gravity for lack of a better term as a decoy. Like he can, he can create issues. Like, not for and lack of spaced, a better term that was a great term it's just kind of a cliche right oh thank you appreciate that but like it you know like christian mccaffrey lining up one way can pull multiple defenders to that side and then all of a sudden you have debo samuel going like the one thing this 49ers offense is is a lot more prepared for i think a steve spagnola blitz heavy defense because of you know, you have because of like how the offense has evolved. The fact you have Christian McCaffrey, the fact you have Debo Samuel, you have George Kittle, like you have all these guys that provide so many answers to what the deep to questions the defense poses. That you know, you had sort of versions of that in the previous Super Bowl, but you also had Jimmy Garoppolo pulling the trigger, and it's just it just feels drastically different now. So yeah. it, it like. By by having Christian McCaffrey, not only is he better than any offensive player the 49ers had in 2019, but they also have a supporting cast that's a lot better than what they had in 2019.
1: Yeah. I want to stick on the quarterbacks here for one second. There's a really good question in the chat from uh, my guy Joe. Uh, But I think there's going to be a really interesting, not necessarily referendum, but big offseason discussion about team building based on this game, because you have the Chiefs who have the ultimate like built the team around the quarterback, and then figured out how to piece together a, a Super Bowl contender around him. Where they let Tyree Hill walk, they had to replace their left tackle. The Chris Jones thing was was touch and go, and he he ended up missing what he missed a, a game, two games. He ended up mi- just the one, I think, but he, he missed he missed time this year because of his contract um they've pieced together a secondary and and now they have a very good defense and a, and a and a dominant quarterback who's making an offense work and then you have the exact opposite on the other side with with the 49ers they have a really good defense obviously but i think the perception is the offensive weapons make the quarterback work instead of vice versa and i'm really really interested to see just kind of what the big picture discussion is coming out of coming out of sunday on that front um that ties in perfectly to Joe's question and and, and Rob, I want your thoughts here. Uh, if Mahomes and Purdy both have A plus performances in the Super Bowl, which team is winning?
2: I think the 49ers because I think an A plus performance from Purdy really only revolves around not turning the ball over. And if Purdy doesn't turn the ball over and kind of the Chiefs are also one of the worst teams in the NFL against play action. I can I can I can bet the 49ers going to want want to run the ball like crazy. So if Brock Brady doesn't turn the ball over and just kind of does what he's been doing all season, I'm not going to use any of those phrases that have been talked about all week and have been on some dude's shirt and all that stuff. If he just takes care of the ball and doesn't do, we started to see in the playoffs and maybe towards the end of the season or at least in their bigger games, he has a tendency to, it's just the gunslinger thing, which I think is perfectly fine. I think Kyle Shanahan is perfectly cool with living with a couple of those interceptions from here and there because he knows that that's just the the byproduct of the way Purdy plays the position and I think he's fine with that but I think an A-plus game from Purdy is not turning the ball over and taking what the defense gives him you you still obviously the question says you have to consider what an A-plus performance looks like from Mahomes I just think that's more of a okay I'm going to take this game and put it on my shoulders and make some crazy plays to keep us in it whereas Mm -hmm. I think an A-plus game from Purdy is not turning the ball over and letting the offense kind of just steamroll its way to to what you needed to do. So I guess if that makes sense, that would be my answer.
3: An an A plus game from Mahomes could also include like four drops from his receivers. <laughs> right, right. He's the only one <laughs> good point. One part really of the point. equation. Yeah, I mean it, it's tough to say. I, I you know if both if both quarterbacks are on their A game, I would give the 49ers the the edge just because of the playmakers that they have. Yeah, right. Like you can, you know, just the and Kyle Shanahan's ability to get those guys open in space. So that that's that's where my answer would lie. I I do wonder if what we saw from Brock Purdy in the second half of the Lions game, particularly the way he used his legs, unlocks a different level from him. Right. Because when we've seen him play poorly, he kind of did the thing that like Jimmy Garoppolo would do. Would hold on to the ball a little bit too long and try to force a bad pass. Yeah. Second guessing right? is right. And yeah. you st- yeah. And, and against the Lions, instead of, you know, like instead of holding on to the ball and, and really hoping something will spring open downfield while the pa- pocket collapses around him, he's inclined to just bolt and just mm-hmm. go get the first down with his legs and go like he's not a slow quarterback, right? Like right. he's not. He's not Lamar Jackson, obviously. Well, no one would confuse well, him for for Lamar Jackson. <laughs> I,
2: was, I was wondering where that was going. <laughs> but
3: but like he's I I think he's like he's a guy who's proven that he can run away from linebackers even if even if, def- if defenses have defenses have spies on him. Mm-hmm. Um so I just think I I wonder if that's going to be an element of Purdy's game that instead of you know cuz Kyle Shanahan had always It always feels like he's coach quarterbacks. Like, you know, he he just really doesn't want guys to become too reliant on their legs. And Brock Purdy has been that guy who's been super reluctant oftentimes to to rely on his legs to make plays. But then when it came down to the season being on the line against Detroit, he was willing to do so. And it wasn't it wasn't really he wasn't really like abandoning the pass concept early it was just, oh, I have an opportunity to run here, and I'm going to take it. And I wonder if that's the dynamic of the 49ers' offense that translates to the Super Bowl, in the sense that, like, okay, Brock Purdy can play within structure, and we've we've seen him make a fair amount of plays outside of structure. But is mm-hmm. there going to be this new dynamic to where, and and it's what Patrick Mahomes does, frankly. Like, how often do we see Patrick Mahomes make backbreaking plays, just like scrambling for a third, you know, a third down conversion on third and twelve? feels like it happens once or twice a game right mm. like purdy is athletic enough to do the same thing and i wonder i wonder if he tapped into that against the lions and it unlocks a uh, unlocks his game to to a a, a different level on uh, on sunday
2: a quick yeah. just to support your point i think the chiefs play a majority of man coverage and like we've seen so many times in the past when a defense is playing man and a quarterback decides to run that's when they're running for these huge expanses of space because entire defenses are turned and looking at at who they're covering and so it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if that was just a huge part of the i don't know about designed run game what was it a couple games ago Kyle Shanahan tried to do, do a designed run with Purdy and it was he. just it was just it was the saddest saddest play but it wouldn't surprise me at the all if that was game. a huge part of part of this game was it the
1: packers game oh yeah cuz that was the same game they did the Juwan Jennings uh, i think that was the
2: first drive off. of the second half oh boy yeah that was tough
3: it was a first i think it was yeah that the there were there were a couple of weird plays to start did drives you, in the did you hear carl shanahan's ball.
2: explanation of of how Juwan jennings ended up back there and like they just called the play f- forgetting that debo samuel wasn't there and all of a sudden Juwan jennings is standing back there well, there was like, oh.
3: there was they called the play and there was an adjustment on the play but i don't but the adjustment didn't get heard in the play call i think <laughs> or something and it was um anyway kyle shannon described it in the post-game press conferences as like doing the i'm ron burgundy thing and like reading the question reading mark off the, the teleprompter right,
2: yeah. so uh, yeah. kyle what's your answer with the uh a plus plus game question
1: i've been leaning on the it's Mahomes and they're just the Chiefs are going to win because they have Patrick Mahomes thing so it's hard for me to say yeah if he lights it up and has an A plus Patrick Mahomes just dominate everything there's nothing you can do about it. game I don't know how the 49ers win it Um, but on the other hand if Brock Purdy is also having an A plus game that means the 49ers are probably running it super effectively it means they're the an A plus Purdy game means he's taking and hitting shots down the field. And in that in that instance, I, I think that I like the the 49ers defense to come up with a to come up with some kind of stop more than I like the the Chiefs to do so, even though the Chiefs have been a better defense all year. Um it's like are you taking Nick Bosa or George Karloftis to come up with a stop? Uh, are are you taking Fred Warner or Drew Tranquil to come up with a stop? Uh, I, I'm, you know, I, I so <clears throat> I think I, I probably lean, I probably lean Purdy. And Chris brings up a good point, but it, I, Mahomes played really well in that in that game against the Bucks, where he's running for his life, and they scored nine points. So, um, I, I guess I'll lean Purdy just because Maybe. I think that would accentuate the the difference in the rosters more.
2: Yeah, maybe to your point, and this might not be a good example, but there was that play against the Ravens where Mahomes like scrambled to the left and then threw that weird pass to Kelsey, and he he dove and caught it, and you know that was Mahomes making like an A plus play that kept mm-hmm. that drive going. Whereas we've seen it time and time again, when an A plus play for Brock Purdy is hitting Brandon Ayuk stride, and then he takes that for forty to fifty more yards and then scores. Right. With Debo Samuel, make your pick. So maybe that's where you know I kind of draw the line is, is or the difference is an A plus game in Kyle Shanahan's offense is a lot different than maybe what the chiefs have shown throughout the season. Is their a plus type type of play? I guess that's the best way to say. It.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I, I just think, I don't know. I, I think we, we, we rely heavily on, or at least like the narrative, I think relies heavily on what happened in 2019. And I think these are two very different teams. Can I- And maybe, you know, like maybe the Niners maybe well, maybe the Niners can't stop the run, and maybe Patrick Mahomes lights them up and they lose, and like that's fine. But I just think like again, I don't want to make the same point, but I feel like we're just relying heavily on on the, the recency bias when we see so often in the NFL, like particularly with the Niners, sometimes after dog shit performances, they come out and light it up the next week.
1: Yeah. They've also Give me one second here. I wanna I will I'm trying to do two things at once. The Niners have also <laughs> been really good after like bye weeks or mini bye weeks this year. They came off their their first mini bye was after week three when they had the Giants on Thursday. They came out and they beat the Cardinals 35 to 16. And that was Arizona. That was Josh Dobbs. I I get it. But then you go to the actual bye week. They come out and beat Jacksonville thirty-four to three. And Jacksonville was rolling and also coming off their bye that time. Uh, that was in Jacksonville. You get the Eagles game after the extra rest with the Thursday night game against Seattle. They smoked the Eagles, and then um, they had their they had their playoff bye where they didn't play great against the Packers, but they came back and won that one. But I I think that's probably something of a factor here, but Chris, you brought up 2019 and the more instructive game for me is last year's chiefs Niners game at Levi stadium, which has somehow gotten lost in the wash here. (laughs) It's everybody's going, well, I was listening to mad dog Russo today on this, on this podcast called the press box. It's really good. It's Brian Curtis, highly recommend everybody listen, but He's going. I've seen this game before. It was uh, saw it in 2019. Like no, yeah, ha- this is not the same game. What's a-? like very <laughs> very different. Um, but I go back to and I think that's kind of what I'm leaning on. It has nothing to do with 2019. I keep going back to that game at Levi Stadium where Patrick Mahomes threw for 423 yards and three touchdowns. Um, Isaiah Pacheco, eight carries for 43 yards. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, six for 32 and a touchdown. Miko Hardman, two for 28 and two touchdowns. Jarek McKinnon, two for 12. Like, the Niners just didn't have any answers for Andy Reid. And Nick Bosa said, it was like the worst game Nick Bosa's ever played. And Bosa, after the game, was like, they just schemed us up. Like, we just were not ready for what they threw at us. And now you're getting Andy Reid with with a bye week to, to scheme something else up. Like, that's what I keep going back to. When I have concerns about the the forty niners defense against this Chiefs offense, it it has way more to do with that than a third and fifteen bomb to Tyree kill five years ago, four years ago.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Especially okay. when you go back and you look at the, the Super Bowl matchup, and the forty ers leading receiver was Kendrick Bourne with two catches for forty two yards. And yeah, but that second catch like, is a big one, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so like I was looking through that. I was like, man, this to your point, I was like, because I was talking about this game on the pod. And I was looking at it. I'm like, man, this is nothing like the 49ers are now. It's just it's just weird. So yeah, maybe if you're looking for a little bit darker of a story, you can go to that game last year. And it was it, 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 it didn't the 49ers score late and make it look even better than it did. You know, it wasn't there. Was yeah, it more I mean, of a blowout than it even looked? It's so, win, but... well it was in the
3: fourth no. quarter it was 23 28
2: yeah that's um, right it's the opposite yeah. of what i think it
3: is when george when george kittle caught a pass and then McCole hardman scored and then jimmy garoppolo took a sack in the end zone <laughs> um it. and then there was is that a, when he 40... ran out the back of the end zone. no that's a
1: different uh, that was a different save no. okay okay, okay.
3: and then juju smith schuster caught a 45 yard touchdown with six minutes left to make it 44 23 um so it was it was close but it it did feel like the the chiefs were just kind of kicking the niners ass that week that but the niners were the niners were coming off i mean i don't know how deep into the weeds we want to get on it and i'm not trying to make excuses for them but it was one of those they had um back-to-back games on the east coast and they stayed it um What's it called? The the what's the the resort in West Virginia? The Greenbrier. Greenbrier. They stayed there between <laughs> yeah between between the uh, the game against Carolina and Atlanta. They ended up losing that Atlanta game. Nick Bosa didn't play in that one because he had I think it was a sprained knee or a sprained ankle. Um, you remember the Falcons ran all over him, Mark, and they just like couldn't set the edge in that game without Nick Bosa yeah. and Marcus Mariota in there. So. I don't know. Like I I get your point for sure. But I just like in the regular season, particularly like that early, like what that was what October. Yeah. I mean, I, I just <laughs> it, it's hard, it's hard for me to compare an October regular season game to a Super Bowl, I guess, would be my take. No, on.
1: and that's and that's totally fair. And not to mention, since we're since we're nitpicking a game from almost a year and a half ago, uh the 49ers <laughs> in a 14 13 game. No, I'm deep in the weeds now. With a minute and a half left in the first half, Jimmy Garoppolo on third and three from the five just threw a duck to nobody and it got intercepted in the end zone. And that's the kind of sure. play I don't think you see Brock Purdy making uh, at the opposing team's five yard line in a one point game. And that just kind of swung the game because the Niners didn't take the lead and couldn't lap the Chiefs, etc. But whether we're talking
3: about whether we're talking about twenty nineteen or 2022 the point here also is that brock purdy is a substantial upgrade over jimmy
2: just overall like way better i don't know brock, brock purdy played in that game against the chiefs and he threw an interception that was his, his nfl debut
1: that, that no no that's wrong actually he had to kneel down against the panthers in week five <laughs>
0: okay <laughs> negative rush i'm
1: sorry yards. i'm sorry Pied i'm sorry was i'm sorry one all his
3: first pass he threw was in that was in the Chiefs game but Out of bed. <laughs> i don't I'm know sorry. like so is there no you're fine is there any world i mean how do we okay so let, let I, I think we should talk about kyle shanahan and legacies because part of me is like man if he loses again and we've talked about this too but like if he loses again the chatter about him not being able to come through in the biggest moments et cetera, et cetera, is going to be something that happens if he wins it obviously changes his legacy substantially but i'm reminded that like kyle shanahan's 44 years old and he's probably going to coach in the league for 10 or 15 more years at least mm-hmm. so like would it would it be gutting for Kyle Shanahan's career and the way we view him if he does not win the Super Bowl? Or is this just like, hey, he's 44. He's going to have a lot of other opportunities, hypothetically.
2: I I really struggle with that whole can't win a big game. Can't, do, like, anybody that ever says fire Kyle Shanahan, like, I mean, if and I always say this, and everybody always says this, but if they did, like, an NFL coaching <laughs> draft, wouldn't Kyle Shanahan go like top three or top five? Like I, the, yeah, I, I the idea that he's somehow lacking in in really any department just blows my mind. Like, yes, somebody has to lose the Super Bowl, and you're playing the the best team in the NFL on the other side of the ball. You know, along with like, what is that supposed to say? And if you want an example of how shit can change, just look at the guy on the other side on the other sideline. Like, Andy Reid spent forever as the guy that couldn't win the big one. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, he finally got a a quarterback, not finally got a quarterback. Obviously he had had some pretty good ones, but Patrick Mahomes is a whole different ball game. And now he's what about, you know, trying to win his third. Is this, is this his third? Mm -hmm. Yes, it would be his third. So, I, I mean, the, the big thing that, that to me, to your point and sort of adding to it is can the team, in its current makeup handle losing another game like this. I don't think it shouldn't damage Kyle Shanahan's reputation. We've seen him win big games. NFC championship is still a big game, like, excuse me, Mm -hmm. but it's, you know, this, like you said, this team has come so close so many times. And how many times can you win coming that close and still keep your head in the clouds? You know, they're human beings and they seem to be, what you know one of the most professional and well organized lockers locker rooms i've ever seen with the 49ers but at the same time like how many of of big games can you lose and still come to work next season ready to win it all again you know like yeah. i think at some point you have to wonder if if that starts to chip away at their resolve but as far as Kyle Shanahan goes i mean if he's going to coach another 10 to 15 years there's a good chance that he's the 49ers coach for another 10 to 15 years. He's just yeah. that good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I think the whole legacy thing, Andy Reed is the example like Rob brought up. I mean, Andy Reed was a laughingstock and then got Patrick Mahomes. And now he's considered one of the greatest coaches of all time. <laughs> like it comes down to that. Kyle Shanahan did not have Joukowsky Tart drop that interception. Kyle Shanahan did not have Brock Purdy's elbow explode. No matter how much anybody wants to make that about Kyle Shanahan's play call, that, that <laughs> that's not that they called a play action pass. That's how that's how the sport that's how the game works. So, I I don't I I don't blame him for that. I certainly think that the 28 to 3 Falcons collapse getting put on him is nuts and and totally insane. Um and then and then you get to that that Super Bowl uh, and that's where I think I'm interested to see how he responds in this one because what happened in that Super Bowl was they went away from the run because the Chiefs were putting Terrell Suggs on the field and he was like a run stopping defensive end at that point. And the Niners were getting a matched up one on one with George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't make a play. And his passes were getting batted down by Chris Jones. And I think that I don't know if that's on him as a as a coach necessarily. Like, yeah, no, the a defensive player made a play. Like sometimes that just happens. So, I think in the national conversation, I I think if the 49ers lose this game, to answer your question, Chris, I think this will very much be one of those, like, referendums on Kyle Shanahan, can't win the big one, he's Andy Reid, he's Mike McCarthy, he's whatever. But, uh, I mean, that can go away if they come back next year and win one, or in two years and win one. And I certainly don't think he's going anywhere for San Francisco, like... Jed York's getting home playoff games, and he has stability, and he has a a cohesive front office and and head coach that's building winning rosters and all that jazz. Like I think, I and Kyle Shanahan's job security is fine, even if the national conversation on him changes.
3: He's eight and three in the playoffs. That's pretty, pretty good. good. Um, Andy Reid didn't win a Super Bowl until his twenty first season as a head coach, and yeah. he didn't win a Super Bowl until his seventh season with the Kansas city chiefs. Um, How many he was with...
2: season has, has Andy Reid been a head coach since 99, uh,
3: since 99. Yeah. That so he's on 20, unbelievable. 25 years as a head coach. Oh um, so Kyle Shanahan could certainly be a head coach. <laughs> yeah. Kyle Shanahan could certainly be somebody who coaches in the league for that long. I, I think if he chooses to, he, again, he is only 44, this is Kyle Shanahan's seventh season with the Niners. So, you know, it took Andy Reid seven seasons with the Chiefs before he won one. Um, and you know, so yeah, like it's gonna be the the hyperbole machine is gonna be in on Kyle Shannon if he he doesn't get it done. And I'm always of the mind of like, all right, if you want this guy fired, like give me a replacement. Who's gonna who's gonna be as good? Right? And yeah, and There's- to Rob's point, they're probably 25 other teams who would love to upgrade their head coaching situation with Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. So, um, I I think like, you know, what, what he's done for the league in terms of just having basically, it feels like half the league runs a version of his offense, or if not a direct connect, a directly connected version of his offense through his coaching tree. So I, I don't know if we're like getting out ahead of that conversation, but I just think like if he loses, yeah, it'll be a mark on his record and it will hurt. It'll hurt him personally, like to himself. It'll hurt him more than anybody else. Like he, the criticism that he will get will be less of, uh, of the pain that he feels inside for losing. Like I, I do know that, like he's a, he's a maniac yeah. when it comes to trying to win,
2: to win like this. So um.
3: He's also, also like, going
2: against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, which is sort of a cop out, but it's the reality that if if, oh, they, right. if they lose, you're like you're talking about a guy who's working his way onto the quarterback Mount Rushmore. Like, uh, I mean, it still sucks because you're still losing the Super Bowl, but it's not the same as not all losses are created equal. I agree. Yeah. We'll see. I mean it. It
3: depends. I've been talking about how I don't think the Chiefs are as good as they've looked the last couple of weeks based on how we've seen throughout the whole season. So I don't know if I can say that like, oh, mean Patrick, Mahomes is...
2: Patrick Mahomes isn't good though.
3: Right. Well, it, but also like, <laughs> ah, they lost to they lost to the goat. It's fine. <laughs> you know, it, would be, it would be talking. I'd be talking about out of both sides of my mouth. If I, if I said, that I through. can't,
1: I don't if, know. if the 49ers lose, I can't wait to jump on this podcast and be like, but now they pick 31st instead of 32nd. <laughs> oh. They're playing the long game. One of my one of my other concerns here. I'm just negative Nancy here, guys. I'm sorry. One of my other concerns here. I have some wrinkles I want to run by you guys, Chris. You and I have talked about a couple of these, but but Rob, I want to loop you in on some things the Niners might be able to do differently or little little things they can change. But before we get to that, um, one of my big concerns here. Forget 2019. Forget 2022. The 49ers' struggles with tackling at points this year has just killed them. The Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, threw 63% of his passes behind or within nine yards of the line of scrimmage. It is a lot of short throws. And I'm expecting a lot of Isaiah Pacheco, who is very hard to tackle. And a lot of... I know Mecole Hardman, did he fumble twice in the AFC title game? He had a he had a big fumble in that game, so maybe it's not Mecole Hardman, but um, they just have between Kelsey and rice and Pacheco. And then you get the rando Marquez Valdez, Scantling or Justin Watson catch. I could see a scenario where Patrick Mahomes has a 27 of 35 type of game for 340 yards because the chiefs broke a bunch of, of tackles and had a bunch of yak and Mahomes a dot was 5.6, but, uh, they still tore it up through the air. Like that's the other thing that I keep coming back to is how much the Chiefs have relied on that and how much the 49ers. And, and there have been times too, just other side of this coin. I mean, it's Fred Warner. It's Dre Greenlaw. Uh, Tayshawn Gibson is, is a good tackler. I think Diamond Lenore's has done a nice job. Mm-hmm. I, they, they have, they have bodies capable and they've done it before this year of, of being a sound tackling team. Um, but when you look at strength on strength or strength on weakness or whatever, uh, if the 49ers have a game where they're missing nine, 10, 11 tackles, that could be a very big problem.
2: One well, to kind of pile on it's Please. not only not, not only were they, and this is one of the reasons I came into this whole conversation. And, you know, yesterday before I potted with KP, like a little down on the 49ers was like, how do you have a conversation about effort in the NFC championship game? How was how was how much effort they were putting in on any given play, a conversation in the game to go to the Super Bowl? Like, so you combine that with tackle, and maybe that's exactly what the 49ers needed. They got lucky in the fact that they were able to put that on tape and be called out on that by nationally, I guess you could say, Mm. and it not result in a loss. They were able to win that game despite their bad tackling and despite their bad effort. So maybe that was a wake up call they needed right before they were going to face an offense that would like to beat them the exact same way. But but you're right though. Like, what do you? I mean, what seems more predictable? The fact that they've already done it, or the fact that you're just hoping that they fixed it? And to me, mm-hmm. what they do and what they've put on tape seems like what you can rely on happening again. So if you're mm-hmm. just magic, if you're just hoping the 49ers tackling woes are fixed, and you're just hoping that. Uh, that all of the players are going to rally to the ball like my middle school football team is taught to all of a sudden then maybe you know that seems a little bit more i don't know whatever the word would be like the odds are you are what the tape shows you are and the odds are good the 49ers are going to do the exact same thing to some extent that they did against the lions mm-hmm.
1: pro,
2: pro football focus like
3: again they're they're not they're, it's not gospel not fact they had the niners for sure not infallible. They had the Niners as the the sixth best tackling team throughout the regular season, and overall, just like defensively, if the Niners came out defensively and laid an egg and were as bad as they were in the first half of the Lions game, it would be an all time disappointment. It would probably it would probably be one of the biggest disappointments in like franchise history, frankly. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, given the talent that they have, given that you know they add Chase Young, who was viewed to be a really Strong addition to an already good pass rush, given that they spent a bunch of money on Javon Hargrave in the offseason. Obviously made Nick Bosa the highest paid defensive player in NFL history in the offseason. If they were to come out and play really poorly against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, it would be an all time disappointment because the 49ers have been built like the defense has been their backbone throughout this entire run of Kyle Shanahan's tenure. It has been largely like the offense gets a uh, garners a lot of discussion. We talk about quarterbacks a lot. The reason why the 49ers have been able to win at the high level that they have without their, you know, quote unquote, elite quarterback play until this year has been because the defense has been so good. So for the defense to come out and be as bad as it was in the previous two weeks would be, in my opinion, an all time disappointment and probably cause Steve Wilkes to, to lose his job, I would say. Um, because this this defense is simply too talented to to just to get run run over in the super bowl right yeah. so like the tackling stuff to me like i just kind of view this 49ers defense like these guys are just too talented like this group has been together too long these guys are too talented to just all of a sudden be like a crummy defense like it as shocking as it was i just my my opinion or my expectation is there's going to be a, a they're they're going to revert to the mean, revert to what we know in mm. terms of who they are, and like I don't view the Chiefs as having the explosive playmakers like Jamison Williams and Jameer Gibbs and Amon Ross St. Brown. Like they have Travis Kelsey, but he wins more with guile and savvy than he does explosiveness, sure. right? Yeah, and that's not to say the Chiefs don't have explosive guys. But I think the reason why the Niners were missing tackles against the Lions was just because of who those dudes were. Those are all young, super explosive players. And yeah, mm-hmm. Isaiah Pacheco is explosive for sure. But, you know, the Niners have, haven't have really had any problem corralling running backs basically until Aaron Jones a few weeks ago in, in the Packers game. Right. Like yeah. other than that, and you could say you could make the case for, for Jameer Gibbs, too. Um, but just like it this is just like suddenly like a recent problem i'm not to say it's not a reason to be alarmed or worried about this game it is for sure but just with an extra week off with everybody talking about it with how talented and experienced this group is i have a hard time believing that this is just going to be a defense that misses a ton of tackles and is like a serious liability now after two games
1: no that's and that's that's fine I, I, and i and i get that and honestly that's probably right like that's that's i think the more measured Take on it. I will say regarding just tying this to what we we're just talking about with Kyle Shanahan. One of my big things with Kyle Shanahan because I worked in sports talk radio in the Bay Area, not to brag. And <clears throat> after twenty twenty, it was like, should they fire Kyle Shanahan? He has a losing record as a coach. Only been the playoffs once in four years. Should they fire? Kyle? Go to the NFC title game. Oh, well, they fell short again. Do they fire? Twenty twenty two. Oh, they fell short again. Do you fire Kyle Shannon? Like, that's just always the thing. And one of my big it's ridiculous regardless, but one of my big things that I always went back to was go watch 2017 and 2018. Those and and frankly, to a di- to a to a different extent, 2020. Those teams had every reason to just punt by by week nine and quit on the year. Yeah. And they never did. They played their asses off. They won a bunch of games. They had no business winning. In in both seasons, you know, even Jimmy Garoppolo's five game stretch aside, you can go to 2018 when Garoppolo got hurt and they were playing hard down the stretch. They beat Seattle uh, in the rain at Levi's Stadium. They almost beat Chicago, who was a playoff team that year. And it was like, dude, that that's a team that buys in. Like right? that is a team that is playing their asses off for their coach, and that matters above everything else for me.
3: But if as, you come out as someone, who... oh, go, go ahead
1: but it, last thing real quick but if you come out like Rob said in the NFC title game and you're like yeah you can throw our helmets on the field and and go win this one and the effort's not there if that happens in the Super Bowl that argument for me for Shanahan kind of goes out the window because it's like bro if if your if your mindset as a team is not there then I don't know <laughs> I don't know what we're doing there, there's
2: no other time for it to be there
1: yeah
3: yeah i mean as somebody who covered the team you know i started covering the team in 2013 to see what they went through in 2014 2015 and 2016 and then despite starting 0 and 9 in 2017 mm-hmm. like there was such a higher level of buy-in just from everybody involved in that 2017 team despite the record being awful mm-hmm. right like so yeah i i agree with you and i tend to think like like we see it a lot in the NFL and I don't know that it gets talked about enough and and maybe this is just purely anecdotal and if I wanted to like go go back and find like actual statistical or, or actual evidence that this exists but I feel like when there's an when there's an area that can be improved that that is like a dr- a drastic problem in one game particularly when it, it pertains to something like effort like a, a controllable to quote Kings coach Mike Brown When it's a controllable, that's an issue in a game. And it's all that gets talked about for two weeks. It's not an issue in the next game because it's just such a focus. Yeah. Right. And like for Chase Young in particular, because he's a guy who's, who's obviously fairly been criticized a lot for the effort thing. Like Chase Young's next contract could be entirely dependent on how he plays in the Super Bowl, Because Mm -hmm. right now, based on the NFC championship game, It doesn't seem like he's going to get all that much money, but he's talented enough to where if the motor matches the talent and say Chase Young has a sack and then another pressure that leads to an interception or like holds up well against the run and makes a couple plays. Like all of a sudden it's like, Oh yeah, maybe that's a guy who's getting 15, $20 million a year from somebody next year. But if he doesn't, and all we remember from Chase Young's time with the 49ers is him jogging in the NFC championship game while the lions are going down the field and scoring, then we'll be like, yeah, chase young might be a dude who's going to sign like a Samson Nebuchadnezzar contract and not be, you know, not be somebody that is highly thought of going into free agency. So I just like the effort stuff while as concerning as it was, I just have a hard time believing and maybe look, this is in line with all my other points here. Maybe Mm -hmm. I'm just, like, way too rose-colored glasses on the 49ers and everything just sort of reverting back to what we know. But, like, to me, this is, like, the thing. Like, given all of the discussion about effort, I just have an impossible time. Not impossible, but I have a really hard time being, like, they're going to talk about effort all week and then, like, Mm -hmm. loaf in the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah.
3: That's hard for me to reconcile. And if it does happen, then it's like, man, Steve Wilkes (laughs) got to go.
1: I know this is anecdotal, but... Twenty one of the twenty or I'm sorry, twenty one of the thirty two editors at the sites that I write for at the NFL Wire Network picked the Chiefs. And um, I think it
2: was like eighty eight percent of writers at the Athletic picked the Chiefs. And I think it was like there was another I think it was ESPN and like seventy five percent of their writers picked the Chiefs.
1: I haven't I've been listening to a ton of NFL podcasts and I don't think I've heard a single person pick San Francisco. And I know this is anecdotal and it doesn't matter. And maybe everybody's picking the Chiefs because the Chiefs are just so obvious to win. But I, it feels like whenever there's a team that everybody's picking to win in a Super Bowl, it goes the other way. And the other the other thing that sticks out, and Chris, I'm saying all this to say that I don't think that this is necessarily like unfounded optimism by you. I think that sure. you're giving the angle that, that not a lot of people are going to because so much of the analysis is like, hey, the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, bro. I don't know what to tell you. Like, that's just it. But there's 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 21 other players on the field and and, and the 49ers are still pretty good. Also, the Chiefs plus two feels like a bait line from Vegas. <laughs> yes, when, when I was going to make that point. When every single person is like, oh, Chiefs plus two. Like, that's how Vegas keeps the lights on.
3: they are begging that line is begging people to bet on the chiefs
2: and people are betting on the Chiefs. (laughs) yes (laughs) at an insane rate from what i from what i saw yeah Yeah. and that's dude
1: vegas is like great you want you want the chiefs minus two or chiefs plus two great you want them plus two and a half all right here you go (laughs) like sure yeah Yeah. Yeah. anyways yeah so i
3: uh, i keep going back to to like you know, the, the podcast where I had Aaron Schatz on on talking about shots. DVOA and the 49 shots the forty that, and where the 49ers were historically from a DVOA perspective, like they were historically good. And I know the right. Chiefs just beat the Ravens, who are also historically good from a DVOA perspective. Mm-hmm. But it's just like I, I, I have a really hard time just throwing everything we thought throughout the regular season out the window when it, when it comes to these two
2: teams. I think if you're going to acknowledge, where you keep going. My bad, sorry. Too well, early. I
3: just, I, I just feel like it's, you know, the Niners playing poorly against the Packers, you know, like the, the human nature thing. You're, you're a heavy favorite. You're at home. You can throw your helmet on the field. We're probably just going to walk over these dudes. There's probably an element of that with the Lions game too, and I'm not excusing it, but I just think like when we've seen this team play with a ton of urgency, when it was the Eagles, when it was the Cowboys. The Niners came in and kicked those teams' asses. Like, it wasn't even close. Blew them off the field. And I'm not saying that the Niners are going to do that to the Chiefs. I just have a hard time believing that because, you know, they had a couple per- poor performances in games that everyone expected them to win. Now that they're actually they, underdogs.
2: They, they did win, too. Which, which is they sort of did weird win to talk about. in
3: ways. Right. In ways that, like, they had been criticized for not winning before. Mm-hmm. That like now that they're an underdog, it's like, oh, they're just, you know, they're gonna get run through in the same way the Lions ran through them. It's like, man, I still remember this team that was dominant throughout the regular season that was, you know, historically good from a DVOA perspective. Like, I I don't have reason to believe that that is not within them. And yeah. the fact that they have the emotional edge of playing the team that they lost to the Super Bowl four years ago. And, you know, this core having lost in so many heartbreaking fat, like the Chiefs have the Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year. So like they <laughs> the, it for, for the majority of these guys, it's the feeling for them is drastically different going into this game than it is for the 49ers who might never get there again. And the majority of the Chiefs players just won it last year. And it's like, yeah, we experienced it. You know, there's Mm -hmm. there's that's that's just why it's so hard to repeat. That's why you don't see repeat champions in the NFL that much.
1: Yeah.
2: And the the thing that I struggle with and I think it's I I go back and forth with with myself on the fact that what do you what do you punish or praise a team more for playing like shit in the second half or playing historically good first half or playing historically good in the second half and winning the game, you know, and kind of proving to yourself and the rest of the world because everybody loved to, sh- to say that freaking stat over and over of Kyle Shanahan trailing by this many points in the fourth quarter. They just never mentioned the fact that NFL teams trailing by that much in the fourth quarter are like, like 10 and 1000, you know, like yeah, shout out like, to the sandwich man for putting those out. <laughs> Mike Sando, the athletic. Uh, <laughs> like it's <laughs> so it's it, it, with me. I'm just like, okay, to me it might be more valuable the fact that they did win the game that they, like I said earlier, I think it's, I'm talking, I even I'm guilty of it. I'm talking about the lions game as if they lost in some way, you know, but they mm, didn't, totally. they won and they won it in a way that no one has ever won a game in a, in a championship game before. And I think that maybe knowing going into the super bowl and knowing that really there for the most part, any realistic lead that Patrick Holmes is going to build short of it being an absolute blowout, the 49ers are going to know that they can come back from it. And that, right. That's a super valuable thing, just coming from a, a a middle school coach's perspective. I can't even imagine how much more valuable it becomes as they grow up. But like, you just the the attribute of it doesn't really matter what the score is, and getting somebody to continue to play with like their hair on fire, as they say, is one of the absolute hardest things to find in all of football. You know, it's, we're we're human. When the game's not going your way, you tend to shut down and kind of turtle up and for the the 49ers to handle that and go into mm-hmm. come out of halftime half with a 17 point deficit and still do what it takes to win the game is maybe something that I'm not giving them enough praise for yeah. because that's just n- not common at all and it's it's more along the lines of being special so maybe that gives them an, an additional edge against the chiefs knowing that it doesn't really matter how much they're down by
3: had, had the 49ers won 34 to 3 against the lions we would feel a lot better about them and the discussion leading into this game would be man the Niners were really dominant they played at a really high level but let me ask you guys like what what prepares the 49ers better for playing Patrick Mahomes on Sunday having to come from behind against the Lions and prove that they actually could come from behind or rolling over the Lions and winning by 30 points facing him in 2019 no <laughs> um
1: <laughs> no I I right? like I, I... I...
3: I just think they're better off having gone through what they went through against the Packers and Lions than having just steamrolled through those teams. Because the, the Niners steamrolled through the Vikings and Packers in yeah, the playoffs in 2019, and it didn't and it didn't serve them all that well in the Super Bowl. Steamrolled,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it, it definitely creates more of a sense of urgency, especially because I'm yeah. guessing like human nature sets in, right? No matter no matter what a player says, no matter what your mindset is in a, as an athlete. To various more picks off Patrick Mahomes in the fourth quarter, and it's like that's ball game. I know that's what, what we were saying at Meister World Party. It's like, oh, that's it. You run down four or five minutes here, you kick a field goal night-night, like game over. And and then we saw how sideways that game got. But I think walking down a 17-point lead in a quarter of football is, just to your point, Chris, I think that's super valuable because now there's a... There's a belief just in that, in that process where even if you're up even if you're up ten in the fourth quarter and the Chiefs score a touchdown to go up three, it's like, okay, you know how you know how to climb back into this game. You know how to retake that lead. You know how to burn clock. And I, I think being in that spot for Kyle Shanahan and for the 49ers and Rob, you brought this up earlier, and I thought it was a great point. That or it might have been Chris. I forget which one of you, one of you guys brought this up and I thought it was a great point. Uh, so good that I remember who said it. Um one of you guys in the hats. The <laughs> one of you guys who look vaguely similar at a quick glance. You all um, have beards. I need glasses. <laughs>
2: um
1: no, but the the whole nine rushes to eleven passes, and now that I say that out loud, Rob said that. The the nine rushes to eleven passes in that in that third quarter, like that's something that I don't think Kyle Shanahan in 2019 does the same way in that same spot. I think it's spread it out and it's Garoppolo throw 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 and try and get back into this thing uh, and I think that that leaning on their run game the way they did where now even if they fall behind against Kansas City, even if Kansas City scores first, it, it, I, I feel way better about them in that game than I would have had frankly they steamrolled Green Bay and 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 Detroit.
2: Well I think one thing we need to acknowledge too is if you' if if I'm going to talk about how the 49ers got lucky when it came to the Eagles decisions, the Eagles, excuse me, the Lions decisions in that game that kind of enabled the 49ers to do what they did. Mm. If you go and look at, at how they beat Baltimore, like Baltimore, like the, I mean, I don't know where you guys stand on it, but the, the quote unquote worst rule in sports, you know, he, they, Baltimore was about to score a touchdown. And he reached the ball across the goal line and he fumbled, you know, that's, that's being, you had the fact that the Ravens completely in no, I don't can't even understand why I completely abandoned the run game. Like Lamar Jackson Insane. led the team with six carries and, and it was like six and, designed carries for running backs. Right. And, and Edwards had three and that, and that was, he was their leading running back three carries. So the, 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 the Ravens did the chiefs just as many favors as the Lions did the 49ers. And, and even if you go back and if you want to open it up a little bit, you go into the, the Chiefs' schedule and look at the, how they closed up the season. There's, there's not a whole lot to hang their hat on. They lost to the Raiders. Um, mm-hmm. They had like a back and forth game against the Patriots. They lost to the Bills. They lost pretty convincingly to the Packers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they lost to the Eagles at home. And that was after a bye week. And, you know, they lost to the Broncos. They barely beat the Dolph- Dolphin. You know what I mean? So if if you're looking for ways in which the 49ers or, or this game may be more competitive than we think it's going to be, you have to, you know, and if you're going to, like Chris has been saying, if you're going to take into account the bigger picture and how they were two teams in the regular season, not just in the two game sample size of the playoffs. You could make a case that the chiefs are pretty fortunate to be here. And that's, and so are the 49ers and that's fair. That's just how football works. There's a lot of luck involved, but it's not to say that the chiefs and Patrick Mahomes have just steamrolled everybody on their way here. And the 49ers are just next in line.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Can I, can
1: I run my wrinkles by you guys real quick?
2: What he love? Some yeah. wrinkles. It's just an okay. odd turn of phrase. Run, run your wrinkles. I'm I not going even... to
1: run my wrinkles right past you guys. That's so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, weird. All right. We are, ge- uh, we are, we are getting old. Chris, this is one that you and I talked about on the last episode of Candlestick Chronicles, but I would like to talk about it here uh, with, with Rob, of course, uh, the Candlestick Chronicles striking gold crossover episode. Rob, what do you think about the idea of Eric Armstead playing edge in this game?
2: Um, I would do it. I would 100% do it because uh, I, th- I think the Chiefs are a bit more dependent on the inter- – they're much more of a power running type of scheme, Which, and I think that based on their deficiencies along the interior of their offensive line, and even if – I think it was Joe Thune, he's injured, might play. They haven't said yet. He's out. Uh, it sounds okay, sounds, like, it sounds he's like he's not going to play. Yeah. And I know that that's kind of bounced around. Um, and after seeing the Lions game, maybe the Chiefs are going to try and switch things up and run um, to the outsides of the 49ers defense, which people have done to pretty, pretty high effect. So and I I can't remember what it was during the season. I can't remember what game it was, but I was like, why don't the 49ers just mess around with it a little bit and put Hargrave and Armstead on the edges and put Bosa and Young in the in the interior just to see what happens. And then they did mm-hmm. it in the game and I just felt like the smartest man alive and I, and, and it worked. I think they, <laughs> I think they got a sack on the play or something. And so it made me feel real Chris, special.
3: Chris Kasurik's a big striking gold guy.
2: So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> I mean, he, if, if Chris Kisarek's a big striking gold guy, then he probably wouldn't have appreciated a lot of things I said about how much money the 49ers defensive line is making and how little they've produced as of late. But um, Ooh. I, I, I think that something like that. And, and, it's not like you're hanging a guy out to dry. Eric Armstead's, Armstead's played a lot of edge, and he's much better as an interior guy. But if you put him out there, it's not like he doesn't know what he's doing because he spent so much time out there in, in the past when they had Buckner. So I, I think that that's something you're going to see them do a bit more in this game just to, it seems so silly to say, you know, put it all on Patrick Mahomes' shoulders because I'm not exactly sure that's what you want to happen, but that, that wouldn't surprise me at all.
3: I also think... Like you're, it's probably more palatable to put Eric Armstead on the edge if, if Thuni's not playing and you have a backup at left guard because then you're like, all right, Chavon Kinlaw can probably handle a backup NFL guard, right? Or at least you'd feel better about Kinlaw going up against, going up against a backup guard than somebody as good as Joe Thuni. Sure. So
2: I don't know. Has Kinlaw been, I haven't paid enough attention. Like he, it seems like his arrows trending up a bit in terms of how he's played. He's recently. He's
3: been, he's been fine. He's been better. He's been put it this way. He's been better than the NFC championship game last year, but right. that's an extremely low bar. Yeah.
1: <laughs> very low bar. Um, <laughs> run run have some a more second. wrinkles, Kyle. Yeah. All right. I've got, I've got a couple more wrinkles for you guys. Chris is another one we talked about last time. And this is one I feel very strongly about. I, I really think that this is something we're going to see. Uh, Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell on the field together. Why not?
2: Like I if, dude,
1: I've been wondering it all year. And if you're not gonna do it now, I don't know when you're gonna do it.
2: One of the things I said to KP was it wouldn't surprise me if this this game looks like Christian McCaffrey hits at least twenty carries, Elijah Mitchell hits at least five, Debo Ham, Debo Samuel Hamuel. That's a good name. There we go. Um Debo <laughs> Debo Samuel gets, I mean, at least five, you know you know what I mean? It just seems like if the 49ers are really going to commit to running the ball, it's probably going to involve not solely Christian McCaffrey. I, I get that Kyle Shanahan thinks it's like a sin to take him off the field, but at least if Elijah Mitchell's on the field at the same time, he's still there, you know, yeah. like he's Christian McCaffrey's still on the field. Debo so,
3: Hamuel Debo Hamuel was his nickname in 2011. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You meant 2020, but that's fine.
2: You know what that... Uh, DJ Bossman Fat. Oh, yeah. Which, oh, yeah. <laughs> he got um, released recently,
1: right? Yeah, he did. He stinks. I can't remember his name. Homie Cornerback from, from the Cowboy.
3: Kelvin Calvin Joseph.
1: Calvin Joseph, that's it. right? That sounds right. Yeah. DJ Bossman Fat. Shout it's just a, a name right.
2: so bad that it just sticks with you.
1: All right. Here's a. Here's a. I would here's be another one. honestly. I would be
2: surprised.
3: I would be surprised if we see Elijah Mitchell and CMC on the field at once.
1: Dang. I just that Sorry. to me feels like that to no. You're a hater. It's fine. That to me feels like the kind of thing that you could really mess with the defenses rules like that, which is Kyle Shanahan's whole thing. I, I, I mean, it you would. could even get you could even get weird. I'm not saying for for forty snaps or anything like that. But we saw it to more for for what, like seven snaps in the Super Bowl in 2019 or something like it just needs to be a, a couple of plays here and there, maybe a third down, a key third down um, where you have a defense scrambling a little bit. And then you're getting the ball into into one of your playmakers hands while they're trying to figure out who has what responsibility.
2: Well, if you're going to get two weeks to prepare for a game, you'd think that both teams are going to come at the other with some plays that we've never seen them run before. So I'm going to I'm going to say it's going to be that one. My man. Thanks.
1: Uh, i'll take the under (laughs) rob rob i'll I'll throw this question at you since chris hates all my ideas okay i have a question (laughs) it's a wrinkle in brandon Ayuk's rookie year he had 16 targets behind the line of scrimmage 16 of them things he had 11 in 2021 he had six last year how many do you think he had this year
2: oh man like a like a trivia question uh two chris i think zero Zero. Zero. That's yeah. That was my first no thought, but I was passes, like, "There's no way that could be correct."
1: Zero passes to Brandon Ayuk behind the line of scrimmage. He is a super explosive athlete. uh The Chiefs are going to blitz like crazy. I don't know how how successful the Niners are going to be throwing the ball down the field, especially if Lejarius Sneed is is on Brandon Ayuk. That's a that's a tough matchup. You need to get the ball in his hands. I think that this is the game where if you have a Brandon Ayuk. Tunnel screen or something like that. I think I think you got to run it. I, don't know, I like Brandon that. I, I don't. I
2: don't. don't like think Yes, I don't mind Brandon Ayuk in in man coverage against ludarius Need at all. Though, like I think that sure Brandon Ayuk's route running. I, I'm not sure there's a corner in the NFL that can cover Brandon Ayuk, and I've maybe I've I have a higher opinion of him. But what's interesting? No, I think is, you're right. Is you say like the zero targets at the line of scrimmage thing, because I've, I spent a lot some of the season trying to define like just how important Brandon Ayuk was to this offense as the question kept coming up, like, do they resign him? Do they give him big mm-hmm. money? And I was like, I feel like George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel have like the negative five to 10 yard range, completely locked down. They'll make every play you want in that range. And mm-hmm. then I've just basically said everything beyond that is Brandon Ayuk. So that was kind of my way of defining his importance in the offense is just Every intermediate and deep throw is, is pretty much him. And yeah. well, I'm not sure the offense is prepared to lose that.
3: So if you're Steve Spagnolo and you're, you know, he, he blitzes a lot of corners, right? Like he mm-hmm. blitzes corners at some of the highest rates in, in the league. Right. If you're doing that, you're probably not blitzing the corner on Debo Samuel's side. Given how good he is with the ball in his hands, right? So mm-hmm. you're probably blitzing the corner on Brandon Ayuk's side, and if you blitz the corner on that side, that's that might be where you can gash the Chiefs with a bubble screen mm-hmm. or a tunnel screen. Yep. And so maybe that maybe that is that's I think that's that's a very a very keen observation, Kyle. I Thanks. Think, uh, I think you're onto something <laughs> with that one. I like that one way better than the
2: Elijah Mitchell and CMC getting. Oh yeah, so
1: no, that's really clear. Cool. That's, that's clear to me.
2: I I mean, I just didn't see the, why not entertain the idea?
1: I'm less, I'm less committed on this one, but I was trying to find the extra defensive back wrinkle. And the only thing I could land on was some Isaiah Oliver as like a, like in the box safety slash linebacker who can, you feel okay with them matched up on Travis Kelsey you don't hate it, but he can step up and run support. That was the only other. That was the only other thing. But I'm not. I'm not committed to that.
3: I one. don't disagree, but I would say Logan Ryan
2: has a better chance of being that guy than Isaiah Oliver. IMO. Okay, I'll, I'll take your wrinkle and and add a wrinkle on top of it. So you have multiple wrinkles. Who on the in the 49ers? We need some. Defense? We
3: need some Botox on this pod. Who? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Super Bowl wrinkles brought to you by Botox. <laughs> who, who on the 49ers defense do you feel comfortable being matched up with Travis Kelsey? Because um, I was watching, it was Kay Adams interviewing Luke Keekley, and he said the reason Travis Kelsey beats defenses so frequently is he's never given like a specific route. He's kind of given like an area of the field, and it's mm-hmm. up to him how he gets there, and him and Patrick Mahomes are on such a good page with each other that it just works. And he said that the reason they're usually pretty good against zone defense is because you're not supposed to have your eyes on any one offensive player. You're supposed to kind of just be in your zone and you end up looking at the quarterback a lot more. And he says, that's all Travis Kelsey needs is for you to look at the quarterback for a half second. And he finds that soft spot and the ball's already on the way. And so Mm -hmm. I'm assuming if the 49ers really want to take away Travis Kelsey, if that's one of their top two things they need to do, Maybe they match up with him man on man. Even if the rest of the defense is playing zone, it wouldn't surprise me if they stuck someone man to man with Travis Kelsey. But who would you feel comfortable doing that? Fred, Fred yeah. Warner
3: and Mooney Ward. That's it for me. I was yeah, at Mooney it was... Ward.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I think, think Mooney I think Ward I could I cover
3: could cover Kelsey. He's big and long enough. Big enough, and, and, I, long think, enough. and, I, awesome. and I
2: think that. Yeah, you probably probably wouldn't want Fred Warner doing it on too consistent of a basis, just given how much he does for the center of the defense. I'm Mm -hmm. assuming you wouldn't want to just have him bump out and and cover. I mean, that might be what they do. And obviously it's, it's never going to be any one thing, but uh, I, we talked about me and KP talked about or Lenore. He's small, but he's like about that action. We've seen him throw haymakers. He's got that, that animal in him. So (laughs) I, just, I couldn't bring myself to say it. I couldn't. He's got remember. that canine inside. <laughs> right. <laughs> um So it's, you know, maybe that's the, the question is, is if they truly want somebody matched up on, on Kelsey on every single play, which is what the Ravens obviously wanted to do. They just weren't counting on a, an insanely good throw from Kyle Hamilton had good coverage on that play. And the throw was just perfect. So, mm.
3: you know, I think. The the Kelsey thing is particularly worrisome because of how often the Niners play zone. Right, um, that's so, Steve walks. You yeah, have to
1: get away from that,
3: probably. But also, you know, you're playing man, like playing man against Patrick Mahomes is also begging the opportunity to have him scramble on you. So you kind of, it's it's pick your poison, guys.
1: You know what? It sure <laughs> is. I choose, no, I choose well, no is, poison. <laughs> this uh, this podcast is going on an hour and a half. Do we want to do some prize picks, get some predictions and get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Check out prize picks, prize slash candlestick promo code candlestick.
2: Uh, Rob, do you also have a, have a site and promo code? I do. Price code slash code. I already messed up gold, you know, as in yeah. I mean, anyways, and the promo code is also gold.
1: Okay, great. So, yeah. <laughs> That's my first deposit matchup to $100. <laughs> Go to prizepicks.com slash candlestick promo code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. You can also do prizepicks.com slash gold promo code gold for a first deposit matchup to $100. Uh, Prize picks is the very best. It is daily fantasy sports made easy. You pick two to six players, you pick more or less on their stat projections, and then you watch the winnings pile up. Or uh, that's if you're fading our entries. It sounds like if, uh, if, you're, <laughs> if you're following our entries, you're probably watching the L's stack up and that's okay the the goal is is fun and that's what prize picks is for me i tie in basketball stuff they've got like golf they have d- d- tennis i mean any any almost any sport that you can lay eyes on they've got they've got projections and you can create a a daily fantasy entry with it and it is uh it is a ton of fun it's just you and the projections no sharps not a thousand people that you're that you're playing against it's uh just you and your entry it is a really really fun way to uh to consume sports it has enhanced my sports watching experience shout out to prize picks uh rob you go ahead and go first man
2: okay uh i'm assuming i'm gonna get this one out of the way and we're all gonna have it the uh the patrick mahomes more than uh one half a yard throwing um i think we're well, all gonna have that one i'm going less <laughs> No, go I don't ahead. even. Is that even a? Is that even a button you can click?
1: Um, yeah, there's a special I, right now for the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes' uh, projection is half a passing yard.
2: Right, so if he throws for one yard. You're, you've already done something good. You already get to stare at like a green bar the whole time, and then you know be even more depressed when no other green bars show up on, on your projections. But I also <laughs> went uh, when it came to the Chiefs. I also went Harrison Butker more than one and a half field goals made. That mm-hmm. seemed. Pretty easy. He's a good kicker, and I'm assuming the Chiefs aren't going to score just touchdowns. That would be a problem. Um, I also went Christian McCaffrey. I went with a little demon play on this one: more than one and a half rushing and receiving touchdowns. So maybe that's mm. kind of like what my entire entry hinges upon. But I think if the 49ers win the game, uh, Christian McCaffrey's probably going to score more than once in that in that effort. Agreed. Um, and then the uh, the last entry i put in here was and this is a tough one but i went with Brock Purdy less than 248 and a half passing yards just kind of sticking with my 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 idea that if the 49ers are going to win it's going to be um, behind a, a dominant rushing uh, rushing display and the chiefs have been very very good against the pass yeah That's i love the entry insight. i went with a uh, with a four four man power play
1: i love the entry Appreciate it, Chris. Or excuse me, uh, I
2: should have I should have hit you with a thanks. You're welcome.
3: <laughs> Am I up now? Yeah, you're up. Okay, uh I'm going. Look, it it hurt every ounce of me to do this, to go with a flex play. If you've been following along all year, you know how wow. much I'm not. I'm not. But you it's were forced Bowl, into it by the, uh, a the requirements of the It's design. a little bit different. Uh, you know, like we're, we're making some monetary decisions here. I'm not going to get too deep into it, but, um, we are going flex play. I'm not proud if, if I could just do a power play and feel good about it. And, and, uh, you know, th- then I would, but it's, I've taken L's all season. So I'm, I'm going flex play just to kind of mix things up a little bit here. Uh, so it's a flex play. I got six entries, including the Mahomes more than a uh, half a yard. It's obvious George Kittle I'm going more than 50 and a half receiving yards. Um, I think with, you know, the point about the 49ers running the ball a lot, utilizing play action, taking advantage of the chief's weakness on defense. I think that involves a lot of George Kittle in the passing game. Um, So that's, uh, that's that play for me. I'm going more than 12 and a half rushing yards for Brock Purdy. Um, He probably gets that on one run. So I I, I do think like, like we talked about earlier in the pod, the idea that um, Purdy has has maybe unlocked a a different level to his game with his ability to scramble in key situations in the second half of the Lions game. I think that could come through here. Uh, So I'm feeling good about more than 12 and a half rushing yards for Brock. Um, Rasheed Rice, I'm going fewer than 67 and a half receiving yards. Um, I just think that You know, I I don't think it's going to be a super prolific Patrick Mahomes passing game. Um, he's averaged, Mahomes, speaking of, I I had it up. He's, he averaged 6.4 yards per attempt against the Dolphins. Obviously, that was in like negative 75 degrees in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. I understand that. And he averaged 6.2 yards per attempt, um, against Baltimore. Obviously, a a cold, a cold atmosphere there too. He had 9.3 in, um, at yards per attempt in, in Buffalo and in, in a high scoring game. The point here though, is I think it's more likely we're going to get like a 200, 250 yard performance for Patrick Mahomes. And if that's the case, I don't think Rashi rice is going to go for more than 67 and a half. So I'm going under there. Um, Less. this one's for Kyle. Thanks. Sorry. Fewer, fewer yards. This one's for Kyle. Um, Harrison Butker and Jake Moody more than half of a field goal attempt longer than 48 yards. So one wow. of them has I to hit a field goal 48, longer than 48 <laughs> yards. I like that, that is so my much. sixth entry. They just have to so, attempt one? Um, no, they have to make it. They have to make somebody. <laughs> <laughs> that was what broke it. <laughs> Somebody in the game, one of the kickers has to make a I know who I think is gonna to do it, it. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: uh that that one's kind of for entertainment purposes uh, I know I love I feel that. better that's about a, a flex a flex play when you're going with Jake Moody potentially making something longer than 48 yards but well and let's we haven't talked stat. about Jake Moody but yeah that's uh that's fine. oh we're
1: about to we're about to okay but let's give okay. it a stack. You you put you put field goal kickers in your prize picks entry, so the field goals are more interesting. If the field goal yeah. is not is not uh, affecting your your squares or whatever whatever you got going on at your at your at your big game shindig, um, <clears throat> the field goals you got to put them in your prize picks entry so that way they matter. All right, so I'm going the Mahomes, more than half a passing yard. I'm going Isaiah Pacheco, more than 68 and a half rushing yards. I think that's something the Chiefs are going to really commit to. Uh, I, I could see it going the way Aaron Jones did where he's just kind of okay and then has one big run that 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 gets him clear of the sixty eight and a half rushing yard number. I'm going Debo Samuel less than five receptions because I think he can have a big day on a smaller number of catches than that. If this was touches, I would go more on touches, but it wouldn't shock me if he goes like four catches and then four or five carries. And and racks up some yards that way. So I'm gonna go less on the reception. I would so I people. would
3: hate I would hate to see him get a couple pop pass uh pop passes that oh he's getting at least you. one
1: dog. He's getting at least one <laughs> for sure. Uh Christian McCaffrey, I'm gonna go less than 90 and a half rushing yards. I the Niners are, are going to commit to, to running, but I also think you're gonna see the Chiefs really commit to stopping the run. And only two players have gone more than that number against Kansas city all year. And they both play for the Raiders who see the chiefs all the time. So um, I, I just, I I'm going to go less on that number because 91 rushing yards feels really high. And I think McCaffrey can affect games as a, as a pass catcher enough that he won't necessarily need rushing yards. So I'm going to go less on that. Harrison Butker, I'm going to go more than one and a half made field goals. And Jake Moody, I'm going to go less than one and a half made field goals because he's going to try to. He is missing that first one and then, you know, probably drilling the second one. So he's going to have
3: like a 43 yarder in like late in the first quarter and he's going to push that thing right for sure. They're
1: going to go their first drive. They're going to have fourth and six <laughs> at Kansas City's, what did we decide last time? 32. So it's a 49 yarder from there.
3: And well, he's going to drill that one, but if it's 42 yards.
1: Okay. So fourth and six at the chiefs, 25, and they're going to roll <laughs> the field goal team out. And everybody who watches this team is going to be like, they should be going for it. You have Christian McCaffrey, you have Debo, Samuel. why are you not going for it? And then he's going to push that shit wide, right? And everybody's going to be like, oh man, Jake Moody. And people who follow the 49ers are going to be like, yep, that's how it goes. And then he's going to step into a 52 yarder in the fourth quarter and drill it like he does it every day.
2: Yeah, if anything, the 49ers just trying to get that shit out of the way so that he'll make all the rest of them. <laughs>
1: just, just long kick return, first down, kick it. It's like a turn. What if the
3: Niners win? What if the Niners win on a Jake Moody? I knew it
2: football? was coming. I knew it, it would was be, coming.
1: It would be the greatest Mia culpa <laughs> in the history of podcasts. I would I come like on it's... here
2: and dance in my wrongness. I feel like if that situation happened, the Chiefs' defense would just stand there and watch him kick, being confident that <laughs> it's not going through the uprights. Like, no, but that,
1: that like, if
2: yeah, I don't know. He's been it, outside. It's
1: uncanny. Misses first kick, nails the rest of the way. I, I don't, I don't get it. So, uh, did he know, make
2: a fifty-something yarder in the playoffs? Wasn't there? Yeah, one?
1: yeah. I don't, I don't get it. But yeah, if his one made field goal is the game winner, then great. I'm pulling for the guy.
3: Be so, it would be so funny. Like Jake Moody has like this, this, you know, tough preseason. His first year in the league, misses a couple kicks. Doesn't have a whole lot of confidence going in. Costs the 49ers a game in Cleveland. Misses a couple kicks in the playoffs. Nails a game-winning Super Bowl and just goes on to have Adam Venetieri's career. That would be that would be wild. He walks be Matt, off that'd be the field, So funny. I
1: would. Have he to... <laughs> would walk off the
2: field with zero emotion on his face. His facial expression would not change. He would just walk off the field. You know what sucks for me on that is
1: I would have to eat so much shit on the 99th pick being a kicker, because at that point, like if it went, if you win a Super Bowl with that kicker, you've done it. Nothing else right. matters could be, at that point.
3: He could get cut next summer and it wouldn't matter. It would be a great right. pick.
1: Right. He, right. Yeah. It, it, it won you a Super Bowl <laughs> ostensibly. So, yeah, I would have to eat. I would have to eat a lot of uh, crow as to not belabor the sh word um if if that happens and i and i would i would i would be the first one to to wouldn't be the only the chest one on then. me i was wrong on it so all right and that's prize picks predictions oh sorry what no i wasn't no, no it's was just I no. I was over fine. you no you didn't hey, um, I that's i i'm still look i do this sucks i've been taking the cheeks <laughs> all week um and I, the more we talk, one of today, us has to
3: take the one of us has to take the Chiefs. So like, don't feel terrible. I'll do it. All right, I'll lay on that feel, grenade.
1: Okay. Let me say this. Okay. I'm sticking because I hate. <laughs> I hate, dude. Uh, so we had this guy at 95.7 during Super Bowl, the Super Bowl lead up. He was on during the bye week and then on the next week, and he had two different predictions. And I get that your mind changes and stuff, but that just kind of annoyed me. Like, wait, what? So now you're just got all your bases covered. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say this. My optimism about the 49ers winning has, has grown dramatically over the last 24 or so hours. I, I'm, I see way more paths now than I did. Partly because of a lot of the stuff that you guys brought up today, but I don't want to be, well, that's weird. I don't want to be a flip flopper. And I'm going to stick mm-hmm. with my prediction. I've been riding Chiefs 30 to 23. That's kind of what I've been going with, so that's what I'm going to go with on the podcast. And if I'm wrong, like I said, I will be the first one to um, to to bask in my in my wrongness.
2: Rob. Yep. Okay. Well, I mean, I told I told KP the same thing. My my prediction through most of this was 31 21 Chiefs, but. I mean, I guess this is the ultimate like either side of the fence thing, you know, like saying what I thought up until this point. But between last night's pod, this night's pod, just taking a closer look at the game and kind of not allowing the the Lions, that Lions game, or at least that Lions first half to scar me any more than it already did. <laughs> uh, just from a from a football perspective, like it's seriously, I'd, I'd never seen a defense play that bad. Like I just so it was it was pretty jarring, but they turned it around. I'm going to go Harrison Butker has to make two field goals so my prize fix can hit. So I'm going to go I'm going to go I'm going to go 20-27 27-20 49ers. 27 to 20 49ers. Okay.
3: Um I think it's going to be close throughout. Uh and then I think the Niners are going to pull away late. Um I'm going to go 34-20 and it's going to look far more like um like they're going to be, you know, there's going to be a Debo Samuel catch and run 60 yard touchdown. There's gonna be like a Christian McCaffrey short yardage touchdown. And then, you know, I think I think Christian McCaffrey is ultimately gonna win MVP, um, because he scores mm. two or three times. And I just like for as much talk as as Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are getting, I think Christian McCaffrey is the best player in the in the game. Um, mm. and I think you could make a, a case that Debo Samuel could also potentially be that. Um, and I also think George Kittle could get a touchdown. I, I I just think that, you know, I, I, my opinion, which I've made pretty clear on this pod is that we're overvaluing the small sample size of what the playoffs have been to this point. And I think we're more likely to see both teams revert to a, a version of what they were in the regular season, which includes the Niners looking like a more dominant team than they were against Detroit and against Green Bay. Um, And I think it's going to be a heavy Christian McCaffrey game. And I think this is ultimately going to be a game where we realize like, man, Christian McCaffrey is probably a Hall of Famer and we should probably talk about him with a little bit more respect and realize that that trade for him last year was arguably the best midseason trade in NFL history. Um, That's kind of my my opinion here. So I think it's going to be one of those games where it's like 24-20 going into the fourth quarter and then the Niners kind of pull away late, and then it, it, the score ends up being more lopsided than um, than the game actually was. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be entertaining. But ultimately, I just think this Niners offense is too good. That's, mm. that's like really all it comes down to. I think the Niners offense is too good. They have too many answers. Kyle Shanahan at some point in his career is going to paint his masterpiece, and I don't know if Oops. he's ever going to have – A like a full complement of players like this one because at some point the Niners are going to have to pay Brock Purdy and they're not going to have an elite tight end and two elite receivers and a hall of fame level running back and a hall of fame level left tackle like this is probably the most talented group the 49ers are ever going to have under Kyle Shanahan offensively so I think this is the time to do it and I think it's going to look like oh yeah this is this is the mastermind painting, it's masterpiece. Yeah. And we finally saw it. And the 49ers are over the hump. And it means a whole lot more to them given what they've gone through the last five years in comparison to the Chiefs, who not saying they're fat and happy, but just aren't going to have the same emotional edge after winning the Super Bowl last year.
1: My I'm already annoyed at <clears throat> all the pregame prognostication, again, including myself, that has been like <laughs> has been like, oh, the Chiefs are going to win. They have Patrick Mahomes. And I'm already annoyed that if the 49ers win, those exact same people are going to be like, "Well, of course the Niners won. They were the best team all year. They had the best roster in football. How did we not see this?"
2: That's well, in, that's in your defense, kind of, though. <laughs> kind of what I'm coming coming back <laughs> right, to. Right. Did you guys see the culmination of Patrick Mahomes' playoff statistics? Is, no. he's played in 17 playoff games now? So a regular. Yeah, he's has
3: like 44, uh, 4, 000 yards and like 27 touchdowns
2: and three. It picks would or be. Something. If they took just his postseason stats, it would be like an all-time quarterback season. All right. So, 67.5 completion percentage, 4,800 passing yards, 450 rushing yards, 39 passing touchdowns, five rushing touchdowns, to only seven interceptions. In the postseason, against the good teams. So, like, I I understand. At least oh, my I, God. Like, that's like an all-time great season, just from postseason statistics. No, I you're it, right. You know? You're it's right. not to say that I, I you know the four I feel great about my Chiefs pick again. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> no, exactly. So like you're not there is a little bit of it's Patrick Mahomes, especially in the playoffs, because that shit right there is bonkers. Like that's yeah, not normal. So yeah. Anyways. Absolutely. And and I don't disagree with any
3: of that. And I would not disagree with anybody who went into the game being like I'm picking Patrick Mahomes. Like that is yeah. that is completely fine analysis. I just I'm just going the other way. I just think that, that, you know, a lot of times what we think should happen in Super Bowls does not.
1: Yeah, no doubt. All right. Subscribe to striking gold, wherever you get your podcast, subscribe to candlestick chronicles, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, we would appreciate that greatly. Uh, we love Rob dearly and, um, Rob, I don't want to speak for you, but, um, I, uh, appreciate that there are different voices on the 49ers doing content here at blue wire, different thoughts, different opinions. So make sure to check out both the pods and uh we'll be with you throughout the off season, hanging out, talking ball. And uh Rob, let's do these crossover episodes more often.
2: I agree. I, I, I didn't want to feel, you know, I, I you kind of end up feeling like a third wheel bumping into something that's already great. I only listen to maybe two <laughs> or three podcasts and your guys is one of them. So, oh, man, uh you know, thanks. but, Please um, yeah, no, it's uh, any any excuse I can to get on here. I'll take it. All right, Kyle well, let's said more different
3: off. voices. Kyle said different voices. Different voices, similar looks. <laughs> had
2: some, had I'll get some, some
3: glass hair. I'll get <laughs> some yeah, glasses. Perfect.
1: Perfect. Here we go. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you uh, after the game. The Super Bowl, I mean. Everybody enjoy <laughs> okay.